God bless and good morning, family. This time of worship hasn't been outstanding. I'm just excited about what Jesus is doing and just to express our gratitude to him. So I give you a second. I know you're still drying your eyes, getting yourself situated in front of your computer. But I tell you, just the opportunity to be together, uh, whether in person or virtually, just to lift up the name of Jesus is, is, does our heart good. And so it's good that you're here with us. I'm glad that you, you've tuned in and being faithful to just lifting up the Lord with the body of Christ. Um, we're excited about this Palm Sunday, the day we celebrate our Lord's triumphant entry uh, into Jerusalem. So I'm just excited, excited, excited about what God is doing in the land. Yes, we're living in some challenging times. We still need to be praying. Uh, still need to be focused as we navigate through, but we know that God is going to bring us through. And so that's good news for us today. I'm just excited about that. I want to say, before I get into the message for today, uh, thank you to those who are sending in cards of encouragement. Uh, you don't know how my heart just rejoices and gets calmed and at ease just to hear your words of gratitude and expression and your prayers. You know, for myself, the rest of the elders, uh, we're just grateful. Um, that you're thinking about us and appreciate what God is doing in this season. So we just want to, to say thank you. And secondly, as we move into this season, Easter is next week. We want to remind everybody that we're still going to celebrate. We might not be in person, but uh, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to put our effort into it. So get yourself ready. Um, invite somebody to tune in. Um, it's the most watched or most gathered service of the year, and so we will still expect that to be the case. We all want to tune in, tell your neighbor, tell your cousins, tell whoever that you need to tune in next week. It's going to be a special service, looking to do a couple of things different for you. Uh, but we just want you to know that next week is going to be a special communion service. Um, after the message, we're going to do a special time of communion. So prepare a little bread, uh, prepare uh, something, not some wine or some Chardonnay or any of that. Just prepare something. And somebody was joking me, yeah, we're going to have some Hennessy and honey buns, but now we're not going to do Hennessy and honey buns. <laughs> we're still going to keep it holy the way the Lord would have it to be. But we just want to remember that uh, we're communion uh, with him, that we're not broken, but we're still united uh, in Christ Jesus. And we're going to do it next week. So prepare yourself for that. Amen. As you turn to your, your Bibles, if you can, we're going to go to the book of John chapter 12. And this week we're shifting, uh, talking about Jesus because this is what we want to do. And so even in our reading for Know to Grow, we're going to talk about Jesus. And this week's reading is about the incarnation of how God, 100% God, 100% uh, divinity would come into the earth realm as a man and be 100% man and be the God man. So in your reading, just enjoy the passages and how the author explains to us how this unique experience that only God himself could do about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, it's a great time. So John chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to verse number 12. John chapter 12, beginning at verse number 12. And reading, reading from the New King James Version, we find these words. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, 
Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found the young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, the king is coming, sitting on a donkey. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done all these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Amen to the reading of God's word. We just want to talk today and minister from the subject, a new normal. A new normal. Father, we thank you for your word, and we just ask that you speak to us even now. God, inhabit our worship, inhabit our praise. But we want to hear from you in this moment. So we thank you and we honor you for speaking your word. Holy Spirit, have your way. Move where we are. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Talking about a new normal. I remember the year 1999 going into the year 2000, we had something called Y2K. And everybody was concerned because going into the year 2000, we were not certain whether computers would be able to have the digits correctly, where they would go to 1900 or 2000. And there was much talk and anticipation about what it would cost to potentially fix the problem or um, what would happen. You know, the, the banking industry would go down and there was all this Y2K stuff and people were looking at computers saying it's not going to work and, and all of that. So there was a great hype. And so in the middle of all that, people were playing Prince's song 1999 and everybody was expecting you know, the worst potentially to happen. But as New Year's Eve came and then New Year's Eve went, we said Happy New Year, nothing seemed to have happened. Um, everything's kept on going, seems like as normal. Um, but then right after that, in the following year, 2001, nobody was expecting 9-11 to happen. And so one thing was a great hype. The other thing, when nobody was expecting it, we were just going through our normal lives, and then 9-11 hit us. And when 9-11 hit us, it changed our lives. Our normal was now different. It changed the way that we viewed terrorism. It changed the way that we viewed our homeland security because we always thought we were safe here on this great American soil, but we thought differently now because of what had transpired. It changed the way that we traveled. No longer we just run right to the, to the gate, but we had to take off our belt and take off our shoes and empty our pockets and do all of these things that were different because we had a new normal. And the reality is, is too often that tragedy causes our normalcy to be disrupted. It's, it's tragedy that causes our normalcy to be disrupted. And when that happens and we have times of uncertainty, it's in times of uncertainty that produces clarity. It's when we're in times of uncertainty like we're going through now that things become clearer. It becomes clearer what we really need and what we really don't need. And we can focus on what's important to us and what maybe not be as important to us. And things that we want to hold on dear to that we value become clearer and things that we can just go ahead and let go, we can go ahead and let go. It's in times like we're experiencing now where our normalcy is not there that there's clarity that comes in to being. 
And so many of us are concerned because we don't know, you know, when this whole pandemic went and what our new normal is going to look like on the other side of this. If you're like me, I've had that thought, uh, what's this going to look like? Uh, what's going to be normal uh, when we come out of this? But we do know that there's going to be a new normal. There's going to be a new normal. And so I, I'm excited because we get to talk about Jesus and his triumphant entry into Jerusalem and what we call Palm Sunday, and we get to glean some stuff out of here that helps us with this, this new normal. Now, the gospel is, is, is all the gospels, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about this, this great um, entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, but they all have different perspectives. They all, all see the exact same event, but the writers were writing for a different purpose and with a different focus. Matthew writes in chapter 21 of Matthew about Jesus' triumphant entry. He writes as a Jewish man writing to a Jewish population, and he wants the Jews to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. So he's very meticulous about pointing back to Old Testament scripture and making sure that the Jews could see that Jesus Christ fulfilled all the details of the Old Testament. But then you have Mark who was also Jewish, but he was not an eyewitness to Jesus. He wasn't there with him and walking with him. So he tells a story from Peter. He tells the story that Peter, the apostle Peter had told to him, and he writes to a Gentile um, audience and letting them know about Christ. Then you have Luke, who's the most comprehensive writer. Luke's two books, Acts and the book of Luke, are 25% of the New Testament. So he writes detailed about Jesus, and he talks about Jesus' perspective about the things that he went through. And, I, and as you look through it, and Luke, this particular passage, I'm, I'm amazed by something he says that Jesus said, because people were saying, Hosanna to Jesus, Hosanna in the highest. And the Pharisees said, man, you got to tell these people to stop this blasphemy. You got to shut their mouths. But Jesus said something that I love. He says, well, I could do that, but if I tell them to shut up, then the rocks will go ahead and cry out for me. And how many realize that even though we're going through a situation, uh, we can keep our mouth shut, but somebody's going to praise God. The rocks are going to praise God. The cars are going to praise God. Somebody's going to praise God. So we might as well praise him. Jesus understood that I'm worthy of the praise. And so if I can shut them up, that's, that's all right. I'll shut them up. But somebody over here is going to praise him. At your house, you're not going to say nothing. At somebody else, somebody's lifting up the name of Jesus because he is who he is. Jesus said that in, in the book of Luke. But then we have John, and, and we're coming out of John today. John was uh, a Jew also, but he was very close to Jesus. He was intimate with Jesus. He, he was in that inner circle. And so he tells a different perspective. He's very reflective. He writes to a general audience, just letting them know about the truth of Jesus is, of who Jesus really is. And he's detailed and he's reflective. And uh, we, we could take from his reflection here because Jesus was leaving Bethany. He was leaving the, the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. And if you know the story, Lazarus had died and they sent Jesus to come, but he didn't come in time and he was dead. And the Bible says that he was dead for four days. But Jesus came and the Bible says he raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says Lazarus came out of the tomb, out and took off the grave clothes and was alive again. And, and when people experience something, people experience it different ways. Some people were upset with Jesus because Jesus was doing stuff. They thought he was an imposter. They thought he was a liar. They thought he was a blasphemer. And they wanted him dead. The religious folk wanted Jesus dead. But then there were some other people who were on the hype train with Jesus. They were excited about Jesus because Jesus had just raised Lazarus, whom they loved, from the dead. And so they were celebrating him. They were exalting him because they now thought that he was their king. And the Bible says that they took palm 
palm branches. That's why we call this Palm Sunday. They took palm branches, and palm branches is a sign of victory. Whenever a king was victorious, they would wave palm branches in front of him because he was a victorious king. And this is what they were doing to Jesus. They were raising palm branches. They were saying, Hosanna. They were crying, Hosanna, which means save now. They were telling Jesus, save us now. Save us from our oppression. Save us now, Hosanna. Then they were quoting I, um, Psalms 118 saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so there was a big hype train. It was a big party going on because Jesus was now the man. They were looking at Jesus as this king who was going to ride in and deliver them from their oppression. But we got to understand that Jesus had made this journey many times. He had gone from Bethany to Jerusalem several times, and it wasn't anything new. But on this particular time, as the people were applauding him and wanting him to be king and, and bigging him up, uh, he decides that he's not going to walk this journey the whole way like he did every other time. But, but by the time he gets close to Jerusalem, the Bible says that he decides he wants to ride on a donkey. And so this is now a break in, in tradition. This is now a break in what's normal because normally he would just walk, but now he's going to ride on a donkey. The Bible says he tells some of the disciples, go to a neighboring town and get a donkey and get a, the little colt. Go get the mother and get the baby and bring them to me. And he says, if anybody asks you, the owner even says to you, you know, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord hath need of them. And we got to understand that, that this is exactly what happened. And they brought the donkey to Jesus and Jesus gets on the donkey. And so now, it's something different. It's something's changed. It's not what people were used to. But it, it reminds us of Zechariah chapter 9, verse nine, uh, 9, where he's fulfilling a prophecy where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt of the foil of the donkey. So Jesus now, when he normally would just walk this walk, he decides to do something different, to be abnormal, but now he's riding a donkey. But we got to understand he wasn't just riding a donkey for no reason. He was riding a donkey because he was making a statement. He was making a, a, a purpose. He was doing it like they did in the Old Testament when, when kings or the king's child would come riding in on a donkey. He was making a statement. And I want to pause here and tell a story about statements here because uh, years ago, there was a guy named Spinny Johnson. If you know Spinny Johnson, he's like a Harlem Globetrotter type of, of guy, and he would play basketball, and he would do all of these tricks. And so I took my son to see him at a, at a local church, and there's several hundred people there. And he called people up to the stage. And so he calls me up to the stage. And so I go up there, you know, and I, I want to be cool. There's 250 people, 300 people there. And he, Spinny Johnson does, he throws the ball up, and he says, I want you to catch it. So he threw the ball up high. In the air. And so this is me, you know, I'm a former athlete, you know, I play a little basketball, a little baseball. I'm cool. So he threw it up. And so I caught the ball without looking, you know, because I wanted to be cool in front of all of these people. But when I did that, I didn't catch the ball cleanly and the ball smashed my pinky finger. Now I'm standing here in front of 250 people, 300 people, and my finger is hurting like the place I do not want to go when I die. My finger was throbbing in pain, but I had to play it cool and act like I, you know, I caught it all cleanly, but my finger was hurting. And when I got home, I told my wife, my finger's killing me. And she said, you ought to do something about it. But, you know, I can't do something about it because I'm cool. You know, I can't go to the doctor because, you know, I'm cool. Now, my finger's sending me a message. My finger's saying, listen, I'm hurt. You better do something. I'm saying, now, nah, I'm going to get through this. Things will come back to normal. And it's long story short, I waited three weeks, four weeks to go to the doctor. And by the time I had done that, my ligament had been stretched. 
my pinky couldn't bend. And the doctor says to me, if you would have come earlier, I would have been able to maybe fix it. But now I'm not even sure I can even fix your finger because there's nothing I can do about it. And so I, I heard my, my pinky telling me a message that things were not normal, but I ignored the message it was telling me. And so to this day, I can't bend my pinky finger the way I need to. And so when I'm trying to play the bass guitar, I struggle sometimes because I can't put my finger on the string like I need to. It's changed my normalcy. And I'm here to encourage somebody today that stop ignoring the message that's being sent to you because things are not normal. So in this time of enormity, there's a message being sent to you, but we just can't push past it and think we're cool that things are going to be the same when we get out of there because things aren't going to be the exact same. And so God is letting us know certain things that some of us got to deal with our anger during this time. We're angry during this time, and some of us have to deal with our anger. Some of us got to deal with our hurt that's going on on the inside of us as we're going through a season like this. Some of us got to deal with our dissension as we're going through. Stop ignoring the signs and start getting the message. That's my main point number one is when normal is interrupted, pay attention to God's message. See, Jesus was sending a message. He was sending a very clear message that he was God here. That's why he got on the donkey, because he knew that people would start to put the picture together that, oh, he's sending a message. He's telling us that he's this king. He's this Messiah. He proved to them that I've got control over the cattle of a thousand hills. He sold the donkey owner. Yeah, give me your donkey. He had control over him. He had control over the temple. He went into the temple later on, and he cleansed it forth and said, you have made my house a den of thieves. And he said, my house, meaning that this is God's house, and so if it's my house, that means I am God. He was sending a very clear message. And I want to encourage us in this season that we've got to hear the message that's being sent. When things are abnormal, there's a message. Hear the message. That's why God says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, he says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if he begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? In other words, God always sends his message to the church first. Come on, somebody. God always sends his warning signs to the church first. And the church has to hear the message. Yes, some of us are in pain. You look at the amount of unemployment that has gone up. It's gone up through the roof in um, numbers that we haven't seen in years. But we're hurting. We're going through some things. But guess what? Through the pain, God is sending a message. He's sending a clear message that he's still God, that he, he's still worthy of our praise, that he's still yet in control. And the church has to hear the message. The church can't ignore it and think that, okay, things are going to go back to the way that they once were and everything's going to be okay. No, it is not. Things are going to be different when we come back up out of this. But we've got to hear the message. God is sending the word to the church first. If you are a believer in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, unstop your ears and get the message. Put behind you that nothing's changing. God is speaking to you in the middle of this moment. There's a message being sent. And God, he's gracious to us. See, God's humility gives grace and provides us opportunity to receive him. Jesus didn't come on a, a big horse because he came humbly. He came meek. And sometimes with the way Jesus comes is not the way that we want it, but it's what it's we need. Are you hearing? It gives us opportunity to come to him. So whenever... Normalcy is broken. Hear the message. God is trying to tell us something. 
He's trying to speak something to us. The church has to begin to hear. Because if we don't get the message of the gospel, then what's going to happen to those who don't get this message that aren't even believers? He's developing us. He's challenging us in this moment. Somebody say, hear the message. Tell somebody, hear the message. God is speaking to you right where you are in this place of abnormal. See, he's speaking to us to hear the message. So Jesus, he comes riding in on this donkey, and he's sending a very clear message to the people. But we got to understand that people were excited about Jesus. They were, I told you, the hype train. He'd raised Lazarus from the dead, and people were giddy. They were just knowing that he was going to come in, and he was going to dethrone the Roman government who had them under oppression. They just knew that this was going to happen, so they were excited. They were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were praising God. They were praising Jesus because of who they thought Jesus was and what they thought he was going to do. But too often, we don't know who the real enemy is is. Too often in our lives, we really don't know who the real enemy is. See, these people wanted the Roman government overthrown, but that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to do something else. And I'm here to remind us that too often we don't know who the real enemy is. We think the enemy is our spouse. And so, Lord, I'm praising you because I just want you to change my spouse right now in the name of Jesus. Just fix her in Jesus' name and everything will be well. Just fix him in the name of Jesus. We think our children sometimes the enemy. God, if these children who you ca that came up out of me. If you would just do something with them, God, every single thing would be all right. If I'm talking to somebody, say hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. We think it's our children. We think it's our spouse. We think it's our boss. Come on and hear somebody. God, if you would just get rid of this person, Lord, if you would just have them leave right now in the name of Jesus, everything would be okay. And we think that they're the problem, but they're not the enemy. Some of us think that our current sitting president is the problem. If we would just get rid of him and get somebody else that all of our problems are going to go way. You're being delusional. That's not going to change the issue because that's not the heart of the problem. Whether you like him or don't like him, he's really not the problem. The people were expecting that, that they were going to take, Jesus was going to go and conquer uh, the Roman government, but that's not what he came to do. They saw one problem, and yes, these issues give us problems. Yes, sometimes our spouse may challenge us in ways we don't like. Sometimes they may be acting a fool. Sometimes our children are doing stuff and draining our pockets and all kinds of things, but they're really not the problem. Our boss may be needed, mean as a snake, but he or she really not the problem. The president may not like us, care for us, or whatever you think the issue is, but he's really not the problem. The problems run deeper than that. And we've got to trust that Jesus wasn't coming to do what the people wanted him to do. Jesus came to do what he had to. Jesus knows what oppressor needs to be defeated. Jesus wasn't looking at what we were thinking. He was looking at what the Father had commanded him to do. And Jesus knew what was needed to happen. See, too many times we think that human effort is going to bring us uh, a resolution to our pain. And human effort can never bring resolution to our pain. It's only defeating sin. It's only defeating death that can make us whole. Am I talking to somebody? How many realize that it's only Jesus Christ defeating sin and death on Calvary's cross that can really make us whole. Too many times things change in our life, but we're still broken. Too many times people move out of our lives, but we're still jacked up and messed up because we think they're the problem. But Jesus didn't come to solve a temporary problem. Jesus is not in to temporary solutions. Jesus doesn't do anything half-heartedly. Jesus doesn't do anything halfway, but he's going to come. He's going to get to the root of the problem. And Jesus knew that we had a deeper root that we had to get solved, and it was called sin. And he had to overcome sin by dying on the cross for us. 
a major point we want to make here is that Jesus came to truly liberate those who would receive it. Jesus came to truly liberate those who would receive it. You see, when Jesus came on, on this Sunday, everybody was hailing Jesus. Hail Jesus on Sunday, but by Friday it was nail Jesus. You see how quickly that went? Sunday it's hail Jesus, Friday it's nail Jesus on the cross. Because as soon as he came in, as soon as he made the statement, things went down, things went sour, things started going in motion, but it was all according to God's plan because Jesus came to liberate us for those who would truly receive it. And I'm here to minister to somebody today that Jesus came to bring healing for our soul. He didn't come to bring temporary uh, relief of it, but he came to bring true healing for our soul. As we go through this season, I want to encourage somebody that Jesus came to heal you of your past hurt. Jesus came to heal you of your past affliction. Jesus came to heal you of the brokenness that's on the inside. He didn't come through Jerusalem and on this donkey just to, to temporarily relieve you of some issues, but he came to bring real healing to your body. And I declare and decree in Jesus' name that if you would receive the healing that he had, that you can be whole on the inside. Your soul can be made whole today. The abuse that you experience, Jesus came to heal you from that abuse. The abandonment that you experience, Jesus came to heal you of that. Even in this season of abnormalcy, he's bringing it to your attention because he wants you to know this is the reason why I came. Jesus came to bring deliverance for us. Some of us are still addicted to some stuff. We're still addicted to some weed. We're, we're still addicted to some crack and we're still addicted to some other things and the applause of people. But God had come to bring deliverance. Deliverance. Jesus came on that donkey, God, to, to, to deliver us from our uh, troubles, to deliver us from our true oppressor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus came to be the father. Some of us struggle from father issues that our father wasn't there. We might not know our father. He didn't call us. He didn't care for us. He didn't provide for us. But Jesus came so that we could meet the loving father. <laughs> Jesus came so that we could meet Abba Father. Jesus came so that we could meet the father who would affirm us, uh, who would say, yes, that's my child. Yes, that's my son. Yes, that's my daughter. I love them. I care for them. Jesus came so that we could meet the Father, that he would provide for us. Uh, and even when our money seems funny and our change is strange, that, that he's still our provider, that he's still Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that he's our father that has a cattle on the field, that he's our father that can meet our every need, that we don't have to worry about supply from our father because daddy's got this. Daddy will take care of it. Daddy will not let us go hungry. Daddy will not let us go begging bread. Daddy will make ways out of no ways. Daddy will make a river in the desert. Daddy can do stuff that nobody else can do, the real father, not the father that leads, but the father that's always there, the father that affirms us and provides for us, and he's also the father that protects us, and so even as we go through hard times, and we're not sure that he's still protecting us, uh, with his shepherd's rod, he's, he's beating off the enemy, every time the enemy would try to come and attack our mind, he'll back him away, and he draws us closer with his staff, he pulls us in and lets you know that I'm mine, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, he that father that takes good care of us. Jesus didn't come for, the, for a substitute. He came for the real thing. And I'm here today to declare in this atmosphere that Jesus is doing a real healing in this time. 
<laughs> He's put stuff on pause because he wants to deal with the real issue. Sometimes in life, you got to shut things down. Normalcy changes because it causes us to rethink about what we're doing. A business, when, when times like this, a business has to really rethink about what's important and how we're going about stuff. And it's even causing the church to rethink. The church has to often repent about some of the stuff we've been doing because we've lost kilter. We need to be healed of our own selves and, and get back to the business of soul winning and, and get back to the business of preaching the gospel and get back to the, to the business of loving and serving people with the gospel of Jesus Christ to be healed on the inside because Jesus is doing a great healing in this hour. <laughs> I tell you, I feel this thing in my own soul because in a lot of ways, Pastor Tony's still broken, but God is healing me on the inside. I don't want brokenness anymore. I want health. I want wholeness. I want what he came for. I'm so glad he doesn't settle for what we want. Come on and hear somebody. But he does what's necessary. That's why Jesus came. I'm bringing this in. Not only do we have to hear the message, but we've got to appreciate why Jesus really came. It's for that deeper thing. Oftentimes, we look to stuff that we can get on the outside, but why did Jesus really come? He came to bring us healing. Oftentimes, when I'm, when I'm counseling people in marriage, they had a marriage, something went wrong, and now they want to bring it back. But one of the partners will always say to me, Pastor Tony, I don't want to go back to what I had. Yes, I was married before, but it was broken. Yes, we were married, we were committed, but it was jacked up. It was messed up. There were some things that were happening that I want to be back with him, I want to be back with her, but I don't want to go back to the same thing. You got to help us to understand we got to have a new normal. We got to have something that looks different on the other side. And I'm here to tell you that this is what John talked about. He said Jesus came on a donkey and he came riding and, and he was sending a message. But John says, as intimate as I was with Jesus, I didn't even understand it. <laughs> as close as we disciples were with Jesus, we didn't even get what was going on. It wasn't until Jesus was glorified. <laughs> Come on and hear somebody. It wasn't until Jesus was resurrected and that he went back to the Father that we even began to even remotely understand what he had done. And it wasn't what other people had did to him. It's what we had did to him. It was what our sin had did to him. It was what our ignorance had did to him. But when he got up, on the other side of that situation and when he rose from the grave that understanding became my way and I'm here to tell somebody today that on the other side of this there will be glory on the other side of this there will be understanding and I hear it in my spirit so strongly that when we get through this your level of understanding is going to enlighten not just why you went through this, but who was with you as you went through this journey. Our understanding of who Jesus is is going to elevate. We're going to be like Matthew when we can go back into the scripture and look in scripture and understand that I know who Jesus is much better today than I did before. Yes, I was walking with Jesus and I knew him to a degree, but now that I've been through this thing where my normalcy was changed, my normal is that I know him better. We're going to be able to be like Luke and Mark and that we might not 
experience something, but I can hear your testimony and your testimony. But when I hear your testimony, I can still give praise to the goodness of God, even though it wasn't mine, but it, it validates who my God is because I see God doing a work in your life. Yeah, you were laid off for three months, but you didn't lose your house. Yeah, you were laid off for three months, but God still blessed you to keep your electricity on and your car. And yes, you might have been cooped up in the house, but God healed your family. Your marriage is stronger. Your children is stronger. God did a work in your life, and I saw it, and I can be a witness to who he is. But just like John, it's a personal thing. Somebody say, this is personal, that I'm going to know God better personally on the other side of this. I was with Jesus before, but on the other side of what I'm going through, my new normal is I'm going to know him better. It's not just because scripture said, and I believe it, it's not just because it happened to you in your life, but because God did a work in my life. Pastor Tony's new normal is going to be a lot different. Number one, I'm going to be a witness, a better witness than I was before, because I know more, I understand more, because I've walked with God through something that was different from me. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw this pause happening on life. But God brought me through, and I'm going to be a witness for Jesus. John goes on to say that before this, people were going mad after Jesus because they were a witness. But I'm here to declare to you in the atmosphere that after this, our witness is going to be much stronger. The church's witness to the power of who Jesus is is going to be ten times stronger than it was before. It's not going to be Muhammad because Muhammad can't help right now. It's not going to be Buddha because, oh my Lord, in here, because Buddha can't help right now. It's not even going to be the dollar bill that everybody's bowing down to because it don't seem like there's enough money to help everybody. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ uh, who died for us. Uh, not just our externals, uh, but he's doing work on the inside. Where there's love on the inside. Where there's joy on the inside. Where there's peace on the inside. Where there's prosperity on the inside. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he's keeping us in the natural because he's going to bring us through this. Come on and hear somebody. <laughs> Not only am I going to be a better witness, but I'm closing with this. See, my praise is going to be better on the other side of this than it was on the beginning. See, because everybody was praising Jesus because we praise God for what we want. Come on and hear somebody. We come to church all the time praising God because I want my promotion. We praise God because I want God to do something in my family. We praise God because I want God to do something in my finances. That's all good and well, but when we understand and go through moments like this, it's really not about all of those things. Those things matter, but that's not the real purpose for why God has us saved. But as we go through this and we understand who Jesus is, we praise God just for who he is. We worship him for who he is. Our praise is a whole lot better. It's not about my bank account, but it's the account that I'm saved now, that I'm redeemed now, and that heaven is my home. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's about knowing that Jesus is. He's a way maker. <laughs> He's a bridge over troubled water. His word is still true. He's alive and he reigns forevermore. So regardless of whether something's normal or abnormal, I'm going to be like one of them rocks. I'm just going to cry out, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hosanna in the highest to Jesus uh, because my circumstances don't move me anymore. My praise is a lot deeper now. My worship is a lot deeper now because I've been through some stuff with God. I've walked through some stuff with God and he showed me who he is. Go ahead and shout right where you are in your living room, in your bedroom. Go ahead and give God a praise because on the other side of this, there will be glory. On the other side of this, there will be a witness. On the other side of this, there will be praise because our God is giving us a new normal. We're not going down, but we're going higher in Jesus' name. He's taking us through to get to where he's taking us. And we'll be perfected through this. We'll be better through this. All the stuff that needs to be cut off will get cut off through this. And we can go to the next level in Jesus. Somebody give God praise. Somebody give God honor. Somebody give God glory. Because on the other side of this, my new normal is victory. Give God praise, give him honor, give him glory in Jesus' name. Oh, glory to God. I feel this thing of my spirit. Hang on in there, church. Do not give up. Persevere. Love one another. Be with each other. Trust God through it. Because on the other side of this, oh, I see it. If you have ears, and spiritual sight, you got to see it. God is purifying us and showing us who he is. It may not be what we want. He may be riding low right now, but that's just a time of grace because the day is coming when he comes back again. He's not coming on a donkey, but he's coming on a horse and he's going to stop all things. But before that time comes, in the meantime, I thank God for his grace that he's given me grace to go through this. I thank God for his grace that he's given me grace to change. I thank God for his grace. I thank God for it. Church, we're, on, we're coming through this. If you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sin, I was so excited. People were giving their life to the Lord, and I just want to give this opportunity. This is an opportunity for you. I don't know who I may be ministering to, but somebody may be watching, and you say, I'm going through a season just like everybody else, but I'm hearing about this Jesus. And this pause was put here for me. You want to give your life to Jesus. I said, I want to give my life to Jesus, to this Jesus who rode humbly through Jerusalem on his way to a cross so that I can live. If that's you, you want to say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I ask you to just repeat this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, in this moment, I repent of my sin. I realize that you died on the cross for me. Not just for my externals, God, but you died to give me life in you. And I receive you as Lord of my life. I thank you for coming in. I follow you all the days of my life. Help me to walk with you day by day because I am your child. You are my father. And I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, you've given your life to Jesus, I ask that you let us know, reach out to us communicate with the church, say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord. If you know somebody that's a believer or already part of the church, let them know. Say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord. Help me, encourage me, because I want to walk this walk with Jesus. I look forward to seeing you one day. There are many who've been watching. You may say, hey, I want to join the church. And yes, you can still join the church virtually. Just reach out to us and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I want to join the church. We'll reach out to you.
We just want you to stay connected because the church of God is still going forth through this. God is still in control. It's still about Jesus. And I'm looking forward towards a new normal. Yes, things are going to be different. Don't ever think that we're going to be the exact same. But normal is not worse. Normal is for us is going to be better. For us is going to be better. Amen. Give God praise. Give him honor.